Some people love Shakespeare, others not so much. But a Shakespeare adaptation is always a good time. Constellation Theater at 14th and T is featuring a musical called Desperate Measures. It's based off of Shakespeare's play Measure for Measure, but it's set in the Wild West. A gunslinging nun teams up with a sheriff and a saloon dancer to save her brother. Buy tickets now at constellationtheater.org. The show runs through March 17th. Once again, that's constellationtheater.org. Today on CityCast DC. So how can you tell if someone's from DC? Minnie Corte can do so with her eyes closed. As the coordinator of Georgetown's Language and Communications in Washington, D.C. project, she is the world expert on the way we locals talk. And she's got a bunch of pointers on what to do if you want to up your hometown accent and slang game. Today is Thursday, September 14th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what D.C. is talking about. Minnie Quarte, you are the project coordinator of language and communications in Washington, D.C. It's a research project at Georgetown. This makes you maybe one of the world experts in one of my favorite subjects, which is the (laughs) D.C. accent. You have worked particularly on the Black D.C. accent as a field of study. And it's something that's like all around us, but we never hear it, or at least we never, we often don't know we're hearing it. Right. But I am told, and I'm going to try to say this in the most like generic TV voice possible, that there is the sentence, I like to go strawberry picking in the summer with my mother in Maryland. What is the significance of this sentence? Yeah, so I love that you brought that sentence. I've heard it. What happens is when we think about how people sound, we, we call that your accent, how, what, what sounds you make and, and how you uh, produce sounds. And so in that sentence, there are some sounds that part of the larger inventory that uh, specific to this region. So, for example, mother and father. One of the things that happens in in language is the th sound can be pronounced as a v sound. So you get mother and father, and that's very iconic in DC. And you hear a lot of people saying that. And you think about um, the other one was Maryland. In this area, you will hear people saying Maryland a lot or strawberry because there's these vowels that we produce in the front of our mouths, when you have an R present in a word, it starts to move to the middle of the mouth. And so when we say something like Mary, in this area becomes Murray. And it's, it doesn't happen all over, but it's a very, very telling when you're from this area. People know, oh, you must be from D.C. There's a few places in the country it happens, but in this area we know it's from D.C. So what would be the most stereotypically D.C. version of that sentence? I like to go strawberry picking in the summer with my mother in Maryland. Something like that. And I'm not <laughs> from the awesome. area, but I'm trying to give you all that I can, the flavor I can give to you. So, like, you came from Georgia. I think a lot of people would sort of look at the map and check out the summer temperature and assume that our D.C. accent is just like a species of Southern accent. Can you place it, Can you know, characterize it more specifically than that and how it got the way it got? So people say that when you're in the South, people from D.C. sound very Northern. And then when you're in the North, that people from D.C. sound very Southern. 
So it's really about what you're hearing, right? What you're hearing to what the input that you get oftentimes, and then you attend to things that are different. So if I'm, if I'm a speaker from the North, one of the things is maybe arlessness. So I may say summer or the call, right? Because that's something. And so when someone else says that, I don't, I don't listen to that, but I may, when someone says light versus lat, right? Or rat versus right. Then I'm going to listen to that because that's different from what I do. And a lot of it was also the great migration, right? We know back in the 40s, the 50s, and even up until the 70s, when people, when masses of black people were moving out of the South, we know that we had a lot of influence from that time. And I think that that's where we start to see some of these linguistic features because we bring the red dots and the yellow dots and they start touching each other. You're going to make orange, right? right? And that's what happens with language too. And I think that's exactly what happened in D.C., with this influence from the South moving upwards, but you also had folks from the North kind of in this area and started to have that shift of upper movement of language. Right. So uh, let me geek out with you for a minute about a couple of linguistics terms. I love geeking out. So one of them is a notion you mentioned of dropping the R called non-rotic, which I associate with like people from Boston. Think pack my car. Another one is centralization, where vowels that typically get produced in the front or back of your mouth move to the middle, like an uh sound. Can you put that in a DC context? Yeah, so language is like a ball of lights, right? So you have light switches that you turn on and off, and then you have dimmers. Most features are going to be more like dimmers, because most people, you're not going to, a lot of things are not going to be categorical, they're going to be off or on but I'm going to maybe do it 10% of the time and, and not 90% of the time. There may be certain environments within the word that will say, oh, you're going to be artless here or you should centralize here. You, you may centralize more here than you would here. So that's like the dimmer. And then you have the ones where you cut the light on and off. So when I think about artlessness, especially like people from the Northeast, generally they're going to cut artlessness on. They're going to have R and not have it, right? But centralization, when you look at it, you're either going so something like there, where the, the R is at the end of the word, versus bury, where the R is between two vowel sounds. In this area, you're more likely to go bury when it's between two vowel sounds than to hear there. But now in St. Louis, it's the opposite. So they also have Black people who do vowel centralization. But in St. Louis, they prefer to go, it's hot and it's, I'm going over there or you come over here as opposed to the library. They instead so, so it's it's quite it's the same phenomenon, right? But the environments in which it's favorite is different. So language is like that. You can turn things on and off, but you can dim them and you can intensify them. You know, Washington didn't have huge waves of European immigration like a lot of the older northeastern cities did. But you did have sort of white people and black people living at once in like close proximity and kind of isolation. How do their accents relate to one another? How do they differ from one another? What kind of relationship exists there? So 1957, thereabouts at one of the peaks of the wave of the Great Migration, uh, folks came. We had a lot of black people come from the South and they settled in D.C. And so D.C. really became the first kind of metropolitan city that was black majority and so with people you get their culture you get their language and so that's what came here and there's already a good population of white people here and i think it goes back to when you have the yellow and you have the red and you start to get the orange i think there was some bleeding there there's some contact but there's still very much distinct communities 
And so oftentimes language was also still very segregated only until recently are we starting to see like language contact more? Since, well, television was invented and radio and, and we are much more likely to, you know, pick up our language cues from people who live across the country or across the world and accents everywhere are fading. What's happened to the D.C. accent? So for all the parents out there or for those who just like to watch Peppa Pig and you have kids <laughs> around, right? All of a sudden, one day your kid is waking up with like this, like, faux British accent. They're like, hello, mother. You know, whatever they do, like, to, to, and that, that was really horrible. But these two, three, four, five-year-olds who've never been outside of, let's say, Texas or Georgia or wherever are speaking like they, you know, were in London for three weeks um, because they're using this show. Like, so I think what you're saying there is technology gives us access. I think in DC, though, you have the same thing happening, but you also have different groups coming in, you have access to different groups, you're hearing different things. I, I think it's a little bit more that the demographics are just shifting. So we're losing the, so it was majority for a long time. Once the black uh, population became the majority and they maintained the majority for a long time. And then about 10 years ago, they became the plurality. So we no longer were chocolate city. We became really, really swirly. Um, and I think as we continue to see, we're going to get more and more like white chocolate to white chocolate and then no chocolate at all. And then I think the wave will come back. Actually, I think in about 50, 60, 70 years, I think we're going to see another wave kind of coming back to this chocolateness of D.C. But on the other hand, I think people are doing something very. They're creating this identity. Right. And so they are actually using like foul centralization. They are using some of these other features like our listeners. They're using some of these like vocalizations. So instead of saying cool, cool, with the way you don't pronounce mm -hmm. the L in the same kind of way, right? And I think that the reason they're doing this is because they're saying, hey, I am DC. This is part of my identity. As much as DC's changing, linguistically, I want to show you that I'm still DC. And I'm not sure if they're doing that consciously or sub. I think it's a, a little bit of conscious and subconscious, right? Like I'm staking claim to a place that's changing to a place that I may not necessarily be here in 10, 15, 20 years. But right now, this is my city. So, you know, big question. You, you've chosen to do this as your life's work. How and why do dialects and accents matter? I think... We all use language, whatever modality, whether we sign, whether we use technology to communicate for us, we all use language in some kind of way. And it's the thing that connects us. But I think more importantly for DC at this time, in this space, and as the city continues to change, the voices of the city are going to change. And so for me, the work that I'm doing right now is so important because it preserves this time. It preserves this space in history, it preserves these voices and the things that are going on with the people right now as we're seeing what happens as we have the Black exodus or we have gentrification of some of the people who have to then leave the seat just because they can't afford it. This work is so important because it gives us this space to remember. Because in 50 years, it won't sound like this, but right. we'll have this work, we'll have this time work from linguists like me and other linguists around the world and anthropologists and sociologists 
who really have an interest in looking at language and looking at stories, their work preserves this part of history. I talk like you. We have something in common. Let's explore that. Let's unpack that. Mm-hmm. I don't talk like you. Wow, that's different. You say soda, I say pop. Wow, why? You say bubbler, I say water fountain. Let's talk about that, right? It gives people something to connect on, even if they are different. It brings that connection piece. And to me, that's why this work is so important. The brand new Arbor at Tacoma is built for your most convenient urban living. Whether you want to enjoy the vibrant Tacoma, D.C. community or comfortably retreat into a sleek sanctuary all your own. The kitchens have striking dark navy and white cabinets, and throughout the home, there are wood floors and smart home technology. Some homes even have a private outdoor space. With a quick walk to the metro, you can easily head into downtown or stay close and enjoy the retail that's on site. Located at 218 Cedar Street Northwest, the Arbor Tacoma offers brand new one and two bedroom condos starting in the upper 300,000s. Visit thearborattacoma.com for more information. That's Tacoma with a K. So T-H-E-A-R-B-O-R-A-T-T-A-K-O-M-A.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. DC, of course, does and probably always will have a lot of transplants. Let's hook them up a little bit on what things mean. Are there some like words that really exemplify DC language, either accent wise or in terms of like slang? So when we think about slang, slang is generally very ephemeral. Slang is going to come today and it's going to be gone tomorrow. So when I think about, if you think about what you called money when you were 12 and what you call money today, it's very much not the same. The words I'm going to tell you about today are part of the DC lexicon, right? They're part of the fabric of DC because they have staying power. But when I think about DC, some of the iconic words that represent this area. So you have Bama. That's one of my favorites. And there's two schools of thought on Bama, some that it comes from Alabama and people from Alabama. And I guess when they came up, they weren't as coos as the people here. So when you hear somebody say Bama, they're not talking about, you know, the Alabama football team. They're talking about somebody who did something silly, something stupid, uh, somebody who just, they're not dressed well. Like, why is he looking like a Bama? And meaning you got on an orange shirt and blue and yellow polka dot pants with green shoes, right? You just look in a mess. Um, or, Or someone who does something that's not smart. So one of the cool things that I love about DC is DC's gonna celebrate DC. And so DC, when they did their their AIDS campaign, like get tested, their their shirt said, don't be a Bama, get tested. <laughs> I love that. I have one of those shirts. I love it um, because I think it really speaks to, this is a local issue. AIDS is rising in our community. Don't be a Bama, go do what you need to do. Find out your status. Um, so that's Bama. Like, can I say Bama? Or is it a thing like like it's like inappropriate to say that? So Bama is not one race, right? Generally, uh, and I appreciate you asking, 
generally I think Bama's more associated with being from the city as opposed to being just being black. Generally, you're going to hear the black population say it a lot more than you'll probably hear the white people say it. But that isn't that it's not it's not race exclusive. Some other ones now, these that the ones I'm talking about, and even including Bama, you do hear them a lot more in the black population. So as you're listening, you're going to not to say that they're exclusive to the black population, but you are going to hear them more frequently. So we have Bama. Some of the other ones you'll hear is like luncheon. Luncheon. I'm a child of the 80s. That word was everywhere. Yes. And it still has some staying power, especially with that community who grew up in the 80s. Right. So luncheon is if you're doing something that just doesn't make sense. Right. So one of the examples that when I was interviewing one of the people, he gave me a beautiful example. He said, if you drink and you drive and you get pulled over, you were luncheon. You gonna go to jail because you lunched. And he showed how beautifully productive the word was so we can use it. It's a regular verb. And it's this idea that don't be silly, you know, don't make stupid decisions. Otherwise, you're going to be lunching. And I think it's like out to lunch when you kind of have this airiness, this spaciness and kind of not focused. That could be where it comes from. And then the two other ones that I think siced is a big one. When you're excited about something. I'm so siced. I'm siced about going to the party. I'm siced about uh, being here today with you, Michael. I'm siced just about folks interested in language. Like, I'm excited about that. Now, a twist, a nuance word, though, is geeking, right? So geeking can kind of be excited, but just like you're doing too much. Like you geeking, like you're pressed, like you are, I think pressed is another one, like you want it almost too badly. Like there's an anxiety, there's an anticipation, but you're doing too much. Like now you get on people's nerves because you're so excited. Like you're gone beyond that point of no return. Like, can you please sit down? We're not there yet. Sit down. It's that kind of thing. But you'll hear a lot of people say geeking. And in that case, like you're geeking out, you're doing too much. You're over the top. I think that's the best way to kind of say that. Mini Quarte, I am so psyched you were here today. Thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It has been amazing. Before you go, here is some quick news. Police are now offering a $30,000 reward for anyone who shares information that helps them catch the murder suspect who escaped from George Washington University Hospital last week. 30-year-old Christopher Haynes got away when an officer tried to secure his handcuffs to a hospital gurney. Apparently, he didn't secure them successfully. Police ask anyone with information to call 202-727-9099. Also, Congress is holding a committee hearing next week about a bill that would allow the city to redevelop the site of RFK Stadium. This bill would extend D.C.'s lease with the federal government, which owns the property, to 99 years. It could bring the Washington commanders back to D.C. But even if the legislation passes in Congress, there is still debate over who pays for the project and no guarantee that the commanders would even choose to come there. Check out our show notes and listen to our episode Breaking Down the Football Team's D.C. Fate. That is all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, tell everyone you know in DC, Virginia, or Maryland. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.